You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We get to have a great chat. I think we're going to get kind of theological today, which is good. Looking forward to that. Fine with me. (laughs) I think it's going to (laughs) be a fun conversation, uh, taking a look at an article in the June-July issue of The Lutheran Witness. And we had just, I mean, we're kind of under the... Uh, under the wire here to, to get this in for the, the month of July. It's almost August. Just had two months to read this, and, <laughs> but uh, getting in some good uh, good theological content today. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. And that's where we're headed today as it well. Is. The Reverend Dr. Jason Lane, Associate Professor of Theology at Concordia University, Wisconsin, author of I Believe in One Holy Christian Church, The Doctrine of the Church in the June-July issue of The Lutheran Witness. Joining us today, Dr. Lane, thanks for being our guest on the Coffee Hour. Very good to be with you both. So looking forward to digging into your great article uh, from the June-July issue of Lutheran Witness on uh, the doctrine of the church. What is the church and and where we are today in our, I don't know, are we post-postmodern? Is that where we are today? So why are we... Uh, digging into one of the, the, the first points that you make in the article, why are we prone to deny or reject the simple objective truth today of one holy Christian church? Yeah, great question. I mean, part of it is that this is the most basic and fundamental denial uh, when you when you talk to people outside of the church. So if you talk to people outside of the church, it's very hard for folks to believe that there's really unity within the church or that the church is one. Uh, So at face value, people struggle with that. Um, Then if you're in the church without just looking outside and seeing all the the different ways in which Christians uh, confess the faith, uh, even in the church, you find out that uh, there's a bunch of sinners in it who... (laughs) who have a lot of different views uh, than you do. And it's, and it's hard to see that there's this oneness that comes in Christ. So uh, there's Lutherans, there's Pentecostals, there's Presbyterians, there's Catholics, there's Eastern Orthodox, which, which one's, which one's the true church, which one's the, the one holy church. And because of the reality of what we see in front of us, what our eyes see, uh, we're prone, I think, to deny that oneness. Mm-hmm. So what makes a congregation uh, part of the church? Yeah, well, if we're talking with with Missouri Synod Lutherans, um, I think part of part of the confusion just comes with the grammar of it or the the nomenclature. Uh, congregation is used typically to describe the whole collection of Christians in in all the world, um, when we talk more theologically about it. Uh, but if you're talking more colloquially, a congregation, um, much like a synagogue in the New Testament or, or Old Testament, um, is a gathering of people who, who are believers who come to hear God's word. So when you say church uh, and congregation, if you interchange or, or just switch up those words, it's sometimes hard to figure out what we're talking about. So church is used in the New Testament in, in a variety of ways, but, but typically it means uh, the one holy church. That is the collection or the, 
congregation of all believers in Christ who confess the faith and know Christ as, as their Savior and confess that. Um, congregation as we use it, at least in the LCMS, typically means a local congregation that is, uh, uh, you know, the congregation where you go to in St. Louis or where I go to uh, here in Wisconsin. And, uh, and, and this is church not because... Uh, no, for no other reason, I suppose, than that that's where the word of God is preached and believed. So in the article, I tried, I tried to lay out our definition of church uh, in, a, in the sense of, uh, that Martin Luther does as those who hear the word of Christ and believe it. And so in a sense, to be church or to be congregation is to be where God's word is preached and believed. So in that sense, a local congregation is a wonderful manifestation of the church. In your article, you reference the Augsburg Confession. Let, what is the Augsburg Confession for those who might not be very familiar with it? Yeah, so the Augsburg Confession, uh, easiest way to think about it, it's kind of like the standard, standard uh, presentation of the Lutheran doctrine that was held by all Lutherans in the 16th century as the standard of the faith. So much like in the early church, you had the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed and, and later on the Athanasian Creed as being the, the hallmark of the, 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 the substance of the faith that's believed. Uh, the Augsburg Confession very much became that for the Lutherans. And happened in 1530 at, at a diet in Augsburg where Charles V, who was the emperor at the time of the Holy Roman Empire and a Roman Catholic, uh, allowed, allowed Lutherans to uh, speak about what they believe publicly. And this public confession made by Lutheran princes uh, at the time uh, became the standard both theologically and politically in the 16th century of what the Lutheran Church believed. That's broken down into, you know, uh, 28 articles, 21 of them being like the primary Christian articles of faith. And then the last last few are are those which were contentious and and uh, and fighting between Lutherans and, and Catholics at the time. I guess this is a chicken and egg sort of question, but <laughs> was it those who confessed this Augsburg Confession were called Lutherans? Or were they Lutherans who then confessed this Augsburg? Conf Does that make sense? Yeah, I, <laughs> I get the, the sense of the question. It's strangely, I, I, I suppose they weren't really Lutherans. I mean, to call someone a Lutheran was to make fun of them, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that you were a sectarian and outside of the Catholic, Catholic Church. And so I, I think that for the Lutherans anyway, they took on the name to recognize there's something different about what we teach than what the Roman Catholic Church at the time was teaching. But they they maintained that they were the ones who who were the true Catholic Church or the, the, the true apostolic church. And so it would be, I think as they understood themselves, we're just presenting what's Christian at so Augsburg. Then, yes. <laughs> so then what is the the relationship of this Augsburg Confession um, to Scripture? 
Yeah. Um, the, the relationship, I suppose, is, the, uh, is simply as stated is Jesus says, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father who is in heaven. And so Christians have always felt compelled to confess Jesus Christ as Lord or uh, to confess the faith. And the Augsburg Confession is an attempt to articulate as clearly as we can what does Scripture actually teach us. So, in modern American Christianity, we have a lot of folks who say, well, I believe only in the Bible. That's a very nice posture to have, that we would believe only what God's Word says. But the question always remains, well, how do you read it? What do you think it says? And that, I think, forces people into a confession. You got to say, well, I believe that there's, there's one God, three persons, co-eternal, right? Even if that's not stated as the word Trinity in the Bible or whatever other doctrine, you have to kind of say what you believe. So then what do these, the Augsburg Confession articles about the church mean for us, the church today? Yeah, great question. I, so what I always, so I, I've been teaching the Lutheran Confessions here at Concordia and just have uh, had such a wonderful time with my students going through this. And what stands out to me when you read the Augsburg Confession is that the question of the church is probably the most central question in the entire document. And the reason for that, of course, is they're trying to articulate how it is that Lutheran, the Lutheran church is the apostolic church against the Roman Catholic church, which is claiming to be the only true church on earth. And so that, that lays out the context of, of how Lutherans are going to confess the faith. They're going to have to articulate how are we the bride of Christ and, and, and confessing Christ clearly, whereas the errors that have cropped up in the Roman Catholic church are are contrary to Christ and therefore would be regarded as false church, as Luther would say. That's a, that's a false church because you're not confessing what Christ, Christ has commanded us to confess. So the Augsburg Confession is very much concentrated on the question of, are we church? And in what sense are we church? And that's a very, I mean, that's a, that's a, a tough question to answer. Yeah, uh, I think that's what we're trying to do today. Uh, yeah. we, we have more to talk about with uh, Dr. Jason Lane, Associate Professor of Theology at Concordia University, Wisconsin, on his article in the June-July issue of The Lutheran Witness, I Believe in One Holy Christian Church, The Doctrine of the Church. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. 
Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Seth. We're talking with the Reverend Dr. Jason Lane. He's Associate Professor of Theology at Concordia University, Wisconsin, author of uh, the June-July issue in the Lutheran Witness, uh, the I Believe in One Holy Christian Church, the Doctrine of the Church article. And man, this is good, meaty stuff. Yes, it I, is. I like it. <laughs> it's helpful, too. Uh, so we're, we're talking about uh, the, the doctrine of the church. We've been digging into uh, the Augsburg Confession, what the Augsburg Confession says about the church and and what is the Augsburg Confession. Um, and you you mentioned this or started to explain this a little bit earlier. Where can we find the true church? What is the true church? Where can we find it? Yeah. Maybe to to back up a little bit or make this as as pragmatic as possible for for Christians living in America today, uh, you, in your local town you have option after option of where you can go to church. If we use that language, right? Where where do I go to hear God's word? And and you have, uh, you know, literally hundreds of options if you're in a big city. So where where do I go to church and why does it matter where I go? Uh, if that is a, a question that presses on people, uh, then it's going to be pretty important whether or not the church that you go to, that is the local congregation that you go to, um, is part of a manifestation of the church that Christ has established. So, so very much linked to salvation. Now, it doesn't mean that uh, you can't be a Christian in a what what I'm terming here a false church. So, for instance, um, uh, as Lutherans confess and say we are the confession of the the Lutheran faith is not just like Lutheran as in a sectarian view of Christianity, but is the holy faith that has been passed down by the apostles. Um, then I'm I'm forced I'm kind of compelled to acknowledge that those who don't teach that are in what I would consider a false church. So, for instance, uh, folks who deny the gift of holy baptism uh, as as a means of salvation, uh, does it mean that they are not Christian? Not necessarily. But it means that they are um, drawn away from the pure gospel and the treasures that Christ has established to make his church. So, if that's the case, um, my my dear friend who goes to the Baptist church, who doesn't believe in infant baptism, uh, but confesses Christ, how do I approach them and say, um, why are you going to that false church? Well, I, I guess I would do that in love, saying uh, it's so much better than that. It's so much better than, you know, earnestly seeking to, to show God that you're really committed to, to, to love him or something. Rather, it's about God's love for us and baptizing. So, so where do I find the church, I think, uh, is, is, is one of the primary questions of all Christians. They should say, where, where is it that I'm going to hear the unadulterated word of God and receive his gifts? And so, the church is wherever the full throttle, complete unadulterated gifts of Christ are delivered. And wherever you can find that, where you got a pastor preaching what God, what Christ himself says and people believing it, man, you gotta, you gotta go there. 
you got to stick to it <laughs> um, because that's that's tied into your own uh, welfare as a Christian. Mm-hmm. So so you kind of are what you eat, so to speak. And if you're eating false doctrine, well, you'll probably start believing false doctrine. I still remember from catechism class way back in seventh and eighth grade that my my pastor taught us that the definition of a church is the people of God gathered around Christ being made holy by the means of grace, which is kind of a nutshell of what we've been uh, talking about for the last um, you know several minutes, um, looking for looking for where the people of God are and where the the, the means of grace are being given to those people. So Beautifully then, said, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Baisley and Pastor Zonitzer. I still remember that. <laughs> so then, then what happens? Uh, what do our scriptures or or the the confessions say um, about when people want to add to this definition, want to put their own uh, spin on this definition of what a church actually is? Yeah. Let's see. That's that's. Uh, Here's, here's some basic uh, misconceptions about, about churches. Typically, typically uh, we are prone to say the church is the holy people of God, and that's it. So the church is well, all Christians. That's wonderful, and there's a, there's a truth to that. But I would say what's distinct about the way that Scripture speaks and also that, that our confessions speak is that the church properly defined are those who preach and those who hear. So it's both pastor and people. And if you, the moment you move away from that and you say, well, actually the church is just the hierarchy of the church, the, the pastors. Well, that's very much like the Roman Catholics had, had taught. Or if you say, well, the church is only the people of God. And then you kind of associate that with maybe more Lutheran talk. Uh, the priesthood of all believers is just all Christians everywhere. You miss the, the beauty of, I think, the definition that Luther gives us where it's the sheep who hear the voice. So there's, there's a giving and a receiving that's happening in the life of the church that, that, that Christians can't do without. So, so exactly as you say, Sarah, there's, there's the... The people of God, of course, but the means by which he makes them holy, which is the preaching of the gospel and the sacraments. So this this ongoing, lively giving and receiving is what constitutes church. I'm just letting that sink in for a minute. <laughs> just kind of let that marinate for a little bit. Great answer, though. Um, I still need to process it. Uh, <laughs> where then is our confidence in confessing this one holy Christian church. Yeah. Like everything, right? It's um, what does, what does Jesus promise? What does he promise? Well, my eyes certainly do not see one holy church. That That's just, even, even if I adore my local congregation and I love the LCMS and our confession and all those things, um, we do this, we, we, we confess the faith and we receive the gifts of God in great weakness. And in fact, even in the midst of our visible um, community, there are, there are, of course, hypocrites. 
there are of course folks that are just doing it for show and uh, and and so i can't necessarily trust my eyes or my feelings you, you know the the sort of thing that happens where you go to church on a a sunday morning and you you feel like you didn't get much out of it or you feel like the people weren't as friendly as they could have been well sure <laughs> That happens. But Christ's promise is absolutely unchanging that, that the church will remain. And in the midst of a culture that's, that's pretty chaotic right now, and Christians, I think, feel somewhat ostracized, uh, we need to hear that promise again that the church remains, even in the midst of great weakness, and, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying is that even when I don't feel like I'm part of the church or feel like uh, people are connecting as as part of this church, that the church is is what God is doing for us and not how I personally feel about my Sunday morning experience. <laughs> That's exactly right. And and of course, it comes from, from knowing and being wise in the Holy Scriptures so that you know what to listen for, right? Because you want to know what what it is that Jesus actually does say. So, so that you know that the preacher's speaking the words of Christ. So is for the sheep, right? As we come on a Sunday morning and listen to the word of God, the sheep want to hear that voice. Now, if the pastor gets up and starts telling you all sorts of new political ideas, well, that's not the voice of Jesus. If the pastor gets up on a Sunday morning and starts challenging you to be, you know, better, uh, better than you were the day before, well, that's not what Christ commanded the pastor to do. So all of those things allow us to, to our confidence comes by what Christ says. Um, and, and as those gifts are delivered and believed, and, and there our, our confession of the church will grow because it grows with the word of God as opposed to our emotional state or, you know, whether they had those little donuts that you really like it after, after church, which are excellent. Mm. Donuts are very important. I did say you are what you eat, but uh, <laughs> so as as we've learned from Mental Health Mondays, feelings are not feelings can be guides. So if I'm feeling like I'm not, oh, I didn't have a great experience or something like that, that's not necessarily a reflection of who God is or what He's doing, but probably more so a reflection of my own failures um, more than anything. You think? Well, yeah, well said. Yeah. However. Sometimes the emotions are good indicators that something's up with us spiritually, right? That's mm-hmm. and and so sometimes that can be a good indicator that we we may need to confess something or we may need spiritual counsel and uh, forgiveness. Those things are real, and a lot of times it's not necessarily sins that we've committed in guilt, but sometimes things that have been committed against us and are rattling us. And this is why the church is such a great comfort. Uh, it's a place where forgiveness, healing, mercy uh, reigns, and not just about performance and getting it all right and justice. Mm-hmm. So, with all of this that we that we've said and our beliefs as Lutherans about this doctrine of the church, um, what we confess in our Lutheran confessions, um, how do we? Uh, how do we have conversations with people who maybe aren't Lutheran, who don't 
maybe uh, confess the same things that we do um, with with all of these other definitions of, of church that kind of wander through our uh, social media or our friends. How do we um, c- how do we confess this in a truthful but loving way to people who who maybe don't come at it the same way that we do? Yeah, Sarah, that's a great question because that's that's ultimately where the rubber hits the road. How do we lovingly confess the doctrine of the church where where it's so often misunderstood? Mm-hmm. The the main thing that I would I would uh, recommend and and I think that this is just a basic Christian attitude. I do not have to make the church or the gospel or the holy scriptures true. They're true whether I believe them or not. They're true whether this person in front of me believes them or not. And so that ought to give him a kind of confidence, give us a kind of confidence to speak lovingly about true things. And when you already know the truth or you're you're wanting to bring someone to it, the pressure is not up to like have a conversion experience at that moment. As we know in life, it takes some time to speak with people and lovingly um uh, listen to them, hear what it is that they actually believe, and ultimately then direct them back to God's word and say, here's here's the way that I'm seeing the scriptures. Um, how do you read it? How do you read it? And it allows us to understand maybe where they're coming from or what kind of teaching they've, they've been receiving. And then we can confess lovingly um, that it's always better the truth is always better. It just takes some time maybe to to get there so we can speak lovingly to them. That's a much more helpful answer than mine to that question. <laughs> My answer was just avoid social media altogether. Oh, yeah. No, I would do that too. But. <laughs> Great article in the June-July issue of The Lutheran Witness. I believe in one holy Christian church, the doctrine of the church. Our guest today, the Reverend Dr. Jason Lane, Associate Professor of Theology at Concordia University, Wisconsin. Dr. Lane, thanks so much for being our guest on The Coffee Hour today. Thanks, Andy. Thanks, Sarah. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Anywhere.